0: now my welcome to the House. As you would imagine, here at the House we watch a lot of Parliament, possibly an unhealthy amount. There is actually more than you could possibly watch in a week. While the House meets for between 15 and 19 hours a week in the debating chamber, the various select committees add to that. They meet for about another 65 hours or so. Weekly. That's a lot of talking. Anyway, amongst all the discussion, debate, and vitriol, Weird things happen, even entertaining things, although the humour is usually accidental.
1: The only person who should be worried about a fiscal crevasse, to use the member's words, is the member who cannot pay for the promises that she is making.
2: Why is it after six years of spraying New Zealanders' money around with wild abandon that he has at the midnight hour worked out?
0: For example, this week the National Party were criticised for having some hopeful budget numbers in policy announcements. And their response was something of a tit-for-tat, to claim that the government itself had had a drop in revenue recently. You already heard Finance Minister Grant Robertson and National's deputy leader Nicola Willis going at it in question time on Thursday. Well let's rejoin them and wait for it all to fall the apart.
1: Counsel, that's not our responsibility. She now has to be the one who finds some way of repairing the fiscal hole. In nationals plans.
2: How big is his hole? <laughs> and do
3: <laughs> that is not in the public interest, I can assure
2: you. Uh, apologies, apologies, Mr. Speaker. Um, <laughs> how big is The New Zealand government's financial hole (laughs) and...
0: As I said, sometimes MPs are genuinely funny. More often, though, MPs say things that make you wonder or just shout at the television. Here, though, we get all condescending and think of those things as teachable moments. And the closer we get to the election, the more of them there seem to be. Actually, Nicola Willis seemed to feature this week, a week that didn't go as she might have hoped in various ways. For example, she had a Members' Bill up on Wednesday morning, finally chosen from the lottery. She promptly demonstrated that Parliament has many skills to learn, and even after five years, you can still feel out of your depth. Parental Leave and Employment Protection Shared Leave Amendment Bill, first reading. Madam
4: Speaker? I call on Nicola Willis.
2: Oh, happy day. Uh, this is one of those days in Parliament where we have Order, the opportunity—
4: My apologies. If you could move your bill,
2: please. I move uh, that this House uh, introduce the Parental Leave and Employment Protection Shared Leave Amendment Bill. If the right, member could fact, just I'm, read it. Yes. yes. I, I'm going to be very precise about this. Thank you. I Nicola move— <laughs> Thank you, Madam Speaker. I move that the Parental Leave and Employment Protection Shared Leave Amendment Bill be now read a first time.
0: Nicola Willis was luckily rescued by her party whip, dashing forward with the correct form of words. Leading off a bill for debate is not something that backbench MPs get to do very often, and even ministers screw it up sometimes. Parliament's really particular about language. It's almost like the MPs are attempting to perform magic tricks. Now... Michael Woodhouse, the shadow leader of the House, told us recently that the impending election does not make his party more likely to oppose bills, just more strident about it. I suspect he was being generous. From the outside, it certainly looks like Parliament gets more fractious and contrary as its end nears. But it's not only the opposition doing it. For example, that member's bill from Nicola Willis was voted down at its first reading. Ms. Willis was incensed and used her Thursday headline slot at question time to demand to know why. Well, it might have been this reason. If she is aware that National
3: did not support paid parental leave when it was introduced back in 2002, I would ask that parent if they were aware that that Bill English had used his financial veto to vote down Phil Moroni's bill back in 2015-16 to extend paid parental leave, I would show this House's track record with regards to who supports parents and who has always pushed for paid parental leave.
0: Or it might have been this one.
3: However, it has not been fleshed out enough. Um, Some advice that we've received make it unworkable. There is some health evidence that suggests that we should be slightly concerned, including information that we've got from the OECD, the World Health Organisation, and the Australian Productivity Commission um, that is supportive of a parent being at home for the full 26 weeks.
0: uh, I suspect, though, that if no election was pending its chances might have improved. The closer the election comes, the harder it is for MPs to play nice. But as we mentioned, opposition for opposition's sake goes both ways. Here, for example, is Nationals Penny Simmons on a pretty bland education bill this week. We will be opposing this bill, even though there are a lot of things, in fact, the majority of the things in it we support. And here is Nationals Haratehi Hipango on the same bill. The National Party opposes this bill, for a number of reasons. And I think the most important and pressing reason, it's noted that this is a debate under urgency. Except the bill was not being debated under urgency. But if you're opposing things, it helps to come up with reasons. Here is Simeon Brown in opposition to a transport bill this week.
4: And if you go to some suburbs in Auckland, it is now a blanket 30 kilometres per hour on some roads which are actually quite busy uh, and should be operating at much higher speed limits. But this government, Uh,
0: I'm sure you know this, even if Mr Brown is confused. Local roads are the province of local government. Central government, they do state highways. The point of all this is to say, and it's not surprising, the closer we get to the election, the more combative and oppositional MPs seem to become. Across the House. Which, you might say, only points out how well they cooperate and get along most of the time. But even now, there are exceptions. While Nicola Willis's members' bill was rejected this week, two other members' bills from National Party MPs were widely supported. One on Salador alcohol from Stuart Smith and one on gift card expiries from Melissa Lee. Viva cooperation. And now
1: something from Johnny Blades. This week, MPs had a special debate about the report of the Regulations Review Committee on COVID-19. The Specialist Committee, which is always chaired by an opposition MP, plays an important role as a constitutional safeguard and a mechanism for providing checks and balances on the executive. A committee member, Eugenie Sage of the Green Party, gave this useful description of the committee's function during the special debate.
4: So in terms of lawmaking, it scrutinises the powers in bills that are proposed to be given to the executive to make secondary legislation. So what's secondary legislation? Law that is made by someone other than Parliament um, under a power that Parliament has given. It could be regulations, orders, rules, notices, and it's often the detail of um, implementation of legislation.
1: Now, during COVID, the Regulations Review Committee was particularly busy doing its job looking at each regulatory change, and there were many of them. They've also done a report looking at the whole COVID period, trying to see what can be learnt for how to deal with future emergency situations, pandemics and so on, via a regulatory lens. Generally, the committee found that there have been appropriate safeguards for the making of COVID-19 secondary legislation. However, the committee chair, Judith Collins of National, said that one of the big takeaways of this review was how poorly some government ministries and departments took the role of drafting good secondary legislation.
4: Now I understand and I think we can all acknowledge that in many cases the Ministry of Health, the main agency in this, was under an extreme amount of stress that they were dealing with a situation that they had not seen before, certainly not in the lifetimes of the Director-General or others, and that they were rushing. The problem is, and I'm sure that members, when they wish to read the report, will understand, is that if the legislation, secondary legislation is being drafted by ministries themselves, rather than parliamentary council office, there is, often not the expertise in a ministry to be able to draft clearly and within the rules that are expected of legal drafting and that was really clear. It was also clear that things seemed to not get better but worse as matters went on
1: collins also said the covid response vaccination legislation act was rushed through and not given enough scrutiny for instance she said legislation and the regulations coming from it referred to numerous terms that are generally unknown in law
4: terms like guidance well that's not a legal term terms like traffic lights well, traffic lights in our law is traffic lights It was legislation that might have been drafted by the communications team. It was simply not up to scratch, and nor were the regulations from it. It would have been better, and that's really clear from the review and the inquiry, and I have to say too, point out we take a very non-political approach in this. We work across parties. It would have been much better if people who knew how to draft legislation were drafting it. It would have been better if it was less focused on communications rather than actually on the law.
1: This was clearly a challenge for a government trying to navigate the legal requirements for a public health response to the pandemic while keeping information easily digestible for the public. Communications was a key part of the Labour government's handling of COVID, but a balance was required. As another committee member, Labour's Vanushi Walters, pointed out, New Zealand had the lowest COVID mortality and hospitalisation rates in the OECD, something which was and remains the backdrop to deliberations on COVID response.
2: In my mind, there is one word that describes what the government, uh, what we were doing at the time in addressing the pandemic. And there's one word that describes what Reid's review were doing as we assessed compliance with primary legislation and appropriateness, and it's balance. We're attempting to strike a balance. A balance, Madam Speaker, between essentially what uh, Minister Parker called the collective rights versus uh, individual liberties. And he did speak to the fact that if taken too far, collective rights can actually be used to suppress minorities and individual liberties. But conversely, extreme use of individual liberties, trumping community rights, beget unjust outcomes too. It is about balance. And it's also about more than the academic balancing of rights. For us it was also about the practicality of assessing the capacity of our health system.
1: Walters said the committee found that generally the right balance was achieved by the government in its secondary legislation, but noted that aspects like the traffic lights framework were pushing into new territory.
2: Now in reality what happened is it was a mix of uh, existing legislation and bespoke legislation that we used uh, in response to COVID and where our committee landed is that mix, that hybrid response is really the ideal. You need to have something in place so you can take immediate actions, which we did. Uh, but you also then need to develop a bespoke response.
1: The committee noted that the ongoing nature of the underlying health emergency means that response and recovery may need to proceed in tandem for some time, rather than be seen as separate phases of the emergency. Judith Collins also had this reflection to offer.
4: We would also like to, well, I would certainly like to acknowledge that this was a very painful time for many people in New Zealand. A very painful time when they felt, in some cases, disunited or excluded. This is time for us to bring people back together. And I believe that the role of the Regulations Review Committee and our report is something that will give people heart.
1: Meanwhile, the Committee's report said that the Government has now recognised that it's time to safely turn the page on our COVID-19 management and live without the extraordinary measures that we previously used. You've been listening to The House, a programme made possible with funding from Parliament's Office of the Clerk. Kia pai tora.